Thank you, Missy. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 7 and 8. Have you ever thought about the difference between humans and God? When you think about the difference between humans and God, we're nothing but dust compared to God. You know, it's, it's indescribable, and it's hard to even fathom the difference. Because think about it, God is infinite and we're finite. God is the creator of all things. We're the created being. We're the creation. He's great, we're small. He's holy, we're less than holy. He's sinless, we're sinful. To bring it you know, down to something that we might be able to understand when you think about the difference between God and humans... It's like the difference between a human and an ant. Have you ever brushed against or stomped on an ant nest? What happens? Well, the ants swarm out and then they just run to and fro like they don't even know what they're doing. Well, humans are like that. We're just like the ants. We scatter about and run to and fro like sheep with no shepherd. But then think about something. What if after we have accidentally stomped on an ant nest, what if we could help the ants out? How would we do it? Because if you think about the difference between a human and an ant... Well, if we picked one of the little critters up, we'd end up killing it more than likely. To help the ants out, we would have to become like the ants. Then, we would have to get the ants to listen to us as we tried to help them. What would happen? Look at what is written in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. But he made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made like unto men and was found in the shape as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us. I thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you bestowed upon us. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with us today as we study your word and just look into your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would illuminate your word for us and help us just to take what we learn today and apply it into our daily walk. And again, Lord, I just thank you and praise you for all the blessings that you've given us, the blessings of life and liberty, just the blessings that we could come today and worship 
And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today. Be with those that could not make it today. Lord, be with those that are sick and shut in, those that are traveling, those that have lost loved ones. We just lift each one up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon each one. And again, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today. Give me the words to say. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to their hearts. And again, Lord, I just pray that you would bind down Satan and have no part of this service. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. In these verses, Paul is writing about how Jesus, who is God, made himself of no reputation humbling himself. Now, to give you the theological term, this is called kenosis. It's called the doctrine of kenosis, the doctrine of emptying. Christ emptied himself of his pre-incarnate glory, and he voluntarily did not use some of his divine attributes. That's the doctrine of kenosis, which is talked about here. And he did this so that he could become flesh that he could become like us. Because to save us, to help us, he had to become like us. Now, why did that happen? When you think about sin and what sin does to the individual, that's why it had to happen. But you also have to look at the sacrificial system that was set up in the Old Testament. When we look at sin, what does Paul tell us in Romans? He says the wage of sin is death. And that is physical death and spiritual death. Now in the law, well let's take it back a second. Before you even had the law, how was sin dealt with? It was dealt with through offerings, through the shedding of blood. But if you think about it, and you look at Noah, how was Noah counted righteous? The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was found righteous. He, was found, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord because of his faith in God. Abraham, it says that Abraham believed God and through that belief, through that faith that he had in God, that was counted righteous, but even Abraham still offered sacrifice to God. Noah still offered sacrifice to God, the shedding of blood. In the law, God establishes a sacrificial system. A sacrifice would be made, it would have its blood shed for the remission of sin. But there was a problem with that sacrificial system. It was, in a sense, imperfect because an animal cannot take the place of man. Because of sin, man has to die. The penalty of sin was put against man. But then you have 
an animal sacrifice, but there was something else about the animal sacrifice, and that is that they were under a curse. God cursed the earth. So the animals were put under a curse as well. So what happens? Because man has to die because of sin, because the animals are not really man, and because they were under a curse, that sacrificial system was ongoing over and over and over. So to aid us, to help us, to save us, to help us overcome the wage of sin, God sent his son. And this is what Paul is talking about here. Made in our likeness humbling himself, becoming like us, taking our sin upon him, taking our place, dying in our place, so that only one sacrifice was needed. And that sacrifice was Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, only he could be the perfect sacrifice. To take our sin, he had to be sinless. He had to be the lamb without blemish, the lamb without spot. God's sacrificial lamb. So when you think about it, the immortal had to become mortal. The sinless had to become sin for us. The creator had to become like the created. And to help us, to save us, he had to be like us. But how was this love, this mercy, this grace that God showed us through his son, how was that met by us? It was met with hostility. Even though he came to die in our place, even though he knew that he was going to die on the cross, even though he knew he was going to be the sacrifice for us, he still came, but he was still met with hostility. And if you think about it, just as an aside here, if you think about it, Everyone is culpable for the death of Christ. The Jews were culpable because they rejected him as Messiah, gave him a show trial, and then turned him over to the Romans. The Romans were culpable, the Gentiles, because when Pilate knew he was innocent, Pilate still crucified him. So we're all responsible for the death of Christ. We're responsible because of our sin, but we're also responsible because Jew and Gentile both crucified him. But even when he knew that he was going to be crucified, even when he knew he was going to die for our sins, he still made himself of no reputation. He still became like us, and he still came to take our place on the cross. 
And then think about the hostility that we showed him. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit upon. A crown of thorns pierced his head. Nails pierced his hands and his feet. His blood was shed. He died on the cross. He was crucified. He became a curse for us. Yet, if you think about it, God didn't have to send him. God could have destroyed us because of sin. God could have left us to our own devices. We could have been left to that sacrificial system that was inadequate, sacrificing over and over and over again. God could have blinked us out of existence. God could have, when he destroyed the earth with flood, he could have just destroyed Noah and his family along with it. God could have uncreated all things and then created it new. Yet, God loves his creation. And instead of doing all of these things, instead of leaving us to a sinner's hell, which is what we deserve, he sent his son. Think back to the ants in the anthill. The ants running to and fro. When you think about it, ants are helpless when compared to humans. Because we can dig them up and dispose of them. We can continue to stomp on them and kill them all. We can pick them up and squash them. We can do whatever we want to with them. They're absolutely helpless because they're in our power. Now think about God and man. Whose power are we in? Whose power are we under? We're in God's power. We're in God's hand. We're helpless. And without Christ, we're hopeless. We're running to and fro, as Isaiah says, like sheep without a shepherd. Look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, 6. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to his own way. We're just running around. Like sheep without a shepherd. And we needed help. We needed a shepherd. We needed one to become our shepherd, to lead us and to take iniquity from us. Because that's what Isaiah says. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We needed this. 
And the one who has power over us sent his son, Jesus Christ, to become like us, to help us, and to die in our place. Now I want you to think about something. Let's go back to the anthill. What if you had the power to help the ants? You had the power to become like an ant. There they are running to and fro on the anthill. You have the means to help them. You have the power to turn yourself into an ant, become one of them, have mercy on them, help them. Would you? Would you? Would you become an ant? Would you show love, mercy, and grace to something that bites you? Because ants can bite. They can sting. Go put your foot in a fire ant nest in Louisiana. They'll burn you up. But would you help them? Would you show them love, mercy, and grace? Would you help them if you knew that they would be hostile to you when you came? What if you knew that they were not not going to listen to you, they were going to mock you, and then they were going to ultimately kill you? Would you still become that ant? That's the difference between God and man. We wouldn't do it. But God would. Think about something. If God had never created man, and he had created just animals and insect life, and it were the ants that sinned, If ants had an immortal soul and it was the ants that sinned, God would still send Christ to become an ant to save the ants because he loves his creation. But how much more are we than an ant? God became like us. He became like us, manifest in the flesh. God made manifest in the flesh to die for us when he didn't have to do that. And he did it out of love. He did it out of his mercy. He did it out of his grace when he didn't have to. How much more are we than an ant? You know, thank God for his love, thank God for his mercy, thank God for his grace. That he showed us that, to come and die for us. Think about how Jesus came to save us. Coming in our likeness, dying for us. And when we think about that, how seriously do we really take it? Think about everything that we've talked about. 
everything that Christ did, how He came, became like us, knowing He was going to die. And He still came. How seriously do we take it? You know, there are millions and millions of people running to and fro on this planet that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are, are millions upon millions of people on this planet that have never heard of Him. And without Him, they have no hope. Are we telling them about Him? You know, in Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky is one of the most unchurched places in Kentucky. There's people in Eastern Kentucky that have never stepped foot in a church. Are we telling them what Christ has done for them? Because they need Christ. Are we introducing them to the one who came to help and to save them? Now I want to, to read something to y'all. This, this is a survey from the 1960s. Now think about that. It's the 1960s. This survey was from roughly around 1961-62. So 60 years ago. And this is concerning the church. And this is in the, remember, 1960s, the time of Andy Griffith. When we think of the 1960s, we think of that as the good old days. Think about this. Because what I'm about to read can only be considered worse today. 5% of reported church members do not exist. They give false names when they go to a church. 5% give a false name. 10% never give their address so they can't be found. 20% of those surveyed never pray. 25% of those surveyed in the 1960s, 25% never read their Bible. 30%, now these are people that said they were members of a church. 30% never attended church. 40% never gave any offering to any cause. 50% never go to Sunday school. 60% never go to Sunday night services. 70% never gave to missions. 75% of those surveyed that were saying that they were members of a church, 75% never went to any church function after the worship services, any church activity. 80% never attended prayer meetings. 90% never had a time of family worship in their home. And here's the kicker. 95% never shared the gospel with anyone. And that was in the 1960s. Think about what that would say today. After 60 years, it would be worse. 
you know, I wonder what it would look like today. Where would we fall on that list? 95% never shared the gospel with anyone. And that was 60 years ago. What does that say about the church? What does it say about Christians? Because if you think about it, and if you look at what the fastest growing religion on this planet is right now, it's not Christianity. The fastest growing religion on this planet right now is Islam. Well, if 95% of Christians in the 1960s never evangelized, we can see why. People need Jesus Christ. Not Muhammad. Not Buddha. Not Zoroaster. Not Confucius. Not Shiva. They need Jesus Christ. And we need to tell them about Jesus Christ. And it's not the job of one person. It's not the job of two people. It's not the job of three people. It is the job of every single Christian to share their knowledge and their faith in Jesus Christ. Think about the early church. How many people in the early church shared their faith? You know, we read about the apostles in the Bible, but if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you read some of the the early stories that came around from the early church, like the story of Perpetua and her friends, all of them shared their faith. Not just one or two. All shared their faith. Shared what Christ did for us. How he became a man. How he humbled himself. And how he died for us. That's the job of every Christian. Let me put it another way. Christ gave himself for us. Are we willing to give ourselves for him? Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for just the fact that you did come for us. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here that needs to make any decision, again, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us. Continue to overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.